position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 148 of uh, the Best Linux Games podcast being recorded for you right here, right now, on this Monday, the 28th of August, 2017, at, uh, 0.34 hours, 0. 100 hours, 12.30 a.m. on the Pacific Coast, because of the most, that'll make it 2017.08, uh, 28. Uh, crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth, who is not responsible for all the horror that has been that has characterized the last five days of uh, our technical life. And not super horror, mild horror, but anyway, Ivor, just to show you and prove that I can, you're fired. Um yeah, pack your shit. Um so we let's get straight to the top of the show. Uh you might notice uh, well, yeah, okay, so here we go. Let's do our top stories. First of all, this is a mini-episode, which, just like every other time that we say that, means that instead of the normal 30-minute or 45-minute or hour-long show, we're gonna try to do, like, a 10-minute-long show, which means that we will end up with a 110-minute-long show. Hey, Ivor? Yeah. Um, 
But this is a mini episode, and uh, before I go any further, I should apologize if the quality of this, of the recording, like the actual audio quality of this week's episode is, you know, I mean, the, we're, we're the quality goes in before the name goes on here, BLGP, but um, audio quality, uh, you know, we've been passable at our best moments of consistency, but anyway, uh, if if you notice, like, uh, this particular episode not being up to the same, up to snuff, the standards of quality that you've come to expect from the Best Things Games podcast, um, I apologize, that's partially why we're having a mini-episode, uh, I just completely reinstalled Mint 18.2, way less painful than, than I had anticipated, to be honest, um, you know, more or less. <coughs> and I'm really liking it. Uh, our audio stuff is more or less set up. It's a different configuration and using a different software stack. We're not, right now, we don't have Jack. We're not using Jack throughout our audio. So, for this weekend, though, my focus was get the get the machine up and Get on, get be able to record an episode for this week's show. That having been said, you know, so I haven't really dug into the seamy under underbelly of uh, the unknown. Um, I have, I have not uh, eagerly and uh, rigorously probed using my intellectual, the tip of my intellectual psychotic system administrative tongue, um, the potential. Problems and stuff that I, I uh, that I may or may not currently be occurring. String and tape right now runs great. In fact, Mint eighteen point two um, cinnamon, which I'm thinking about switching away from cinnamon, is unlike the hype for like previous releases of Mint eighteen of Mint. I go back with Mint to like fuck. I want to say like uh, I can't even remember. I want to say like fourteen, thirteen, maybe. Um, like four or five years ago, it's every like other year or every eighteen months or whatever or whenever like a new major release of Mint comes out, it is now a Linux journalism cliche, and basically, you know, if, if I were super harsh in terms of the way I judge my uh, sources, not only is it a cliche, but is fairly automatically instantly disqualify uh, disqualifying um. It's qualifying a mark against any Linux journalist's name because every time a new mint, for like last three releases, two ish, maybe three ish, every time a new mint comes out, the f- it's like all these kids or all these guys or girls or journalists or whoever, people from the interwebs who write about uh, Linux, cover Linux, you know, play with a lot of distros or whatever, or maybe don't. It's like they all get this fucking news release in the form of an email that's copy and paste with the HTML meta meta tags at the top so that their review, their piece on the, their, their opinion piece on how good is the latest mint. All of them read the same. The best mint ever! Oh, say goodbye to your old desktop, you know, blah, blah. That has not been true for me in terms of my experience of the last maybe two major releases of Mint. They were good. 
and they were as good as you know uh, the release that I was coming to the new one from but they weren't like they, they were never flawless and they were never anything that I would call the best mint ever until 18.1 slash 18.2 I really like it so we got Audacity up and running I have played with OBS Open uh, Broadcast Software which now totally recognizes using just Alsa and Pulse so it's like it's a superficial uh, level of functionality in terms of audio wise for me in in, in Linux um, but in terms of from a technical perspective but in terms of a usability perspective OBS just using the, the out of the box um, Pulse also to Pulse um, to Cinnamon or whatever the fuck um, sound sound system that software sound stack that you know, uh, 18.2 ships with for the first time in since I started playing with OBS like, you know what a month ago OBS, total configurability in terms of oh, I want my microphone this channel on this fader and I want the in-game stuff on this one and I want this audio from this source over here totally fucking easy stuff that I couldn't make happen in OBS while routing with QJack control. Anyway, so that, that that was exciting. That was actually really fun. It also is kind of sad because ultimately I am going to run up against the same old problems that ultimately led me to need to go down the rabbit hole of fucking Jack um, and QJack control. I mean, it's just, you know, there's certain things that I can't do without it, I'm sure. But right now, I'm really happy. So we got Audacity up and running. We got some of our plugins and stuff, but it's not entirely configured. So that will account for our apology for... Um, our plugins aren't here. Our, our LATSPA, our LV2. And I'm, I can't seem to find the where I, where I normally get the bundle that I... I think it's a bundle that I, I normally use of uh, GPL um, Nyquist. It's like a repackage of a bunch of old... Uh, Nyquist, or it might just be another, might just be another one of the mega bundles of Latspa plugins. But uh, I'm missing our normal uh, complement of audio manipulative mastery in terms of uh, post processing and uh, you know providing you with a finished product. So we apologize for that. Column the best loose games. The column continues to be on hiatus due to all of this shit, more or less, and we're putting it on hiatus to a definite date, the uh, third week of September. So that's when the column will return. We invite you to peruse the glorious library of fantastic, fantastic, exciting, interesting, captivating, thoughtful, and touchingly and poignant and brilliant um, previous iterations of the column at www.bestlinuxgames.com Click on the link at the top that says the column, and uh, you can peruse our pre our our old columns. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Old columns are still available for you to read online as a service to you, the listener, the Linux loving listener. So we can't even drop in right now for reasons I'm not going to go into. This system is really really stable. 
But what I'm about to say is like, if someone else told said this to me, I'd be like, oh, so you mean your system is fucked. Um, we can't even drop in. Ivor, can we drop it in? Ivor's shaking his head no. Uh, he's making a little, little pistol to the side of the head. Uh, and sat, yeah, that's fine. Oh, the whiskey sign! Oh. But we can't, we, we can't even drop in our normal bumper for our our feature and our new and noteworthy. That's all we got for you this week. Hopefully we'll wrap it up in 20 minutes. But there is a game that we really do need to talk about this week. First, the whiskey. Cheers. So, we are gathered here, my friends. And yes, it's so weird to like hit this cold without having a post to come in behind or anything like that. Um, it's like, Bob, Bob, the Libyans! Our feature this week. There we go. <laughs> we'll do it old school. Pretend. We'll pretend we're ever our broadcasting to our friends and neighbors and fellow citizens out there in the great beyond brought to you by the exciting new medium of radio the wireless radio unbelievable technology it's gonna be huge um okay so our feature this week and our only real um game or piece of content that i that that we're gonna cover this week we have no new and noteworthies we have uh no deals um, although this this new and no, this feature is kind of a new and noteworthy, but it's disqualified for that because it's an older game. Our feature this week is to celebrate the finally the v- out of early access official version 1.0. Hey, hello world! This is as done. You know, this is a done product now. Release of one of my favorite games. Um, from the early days of this podcast and this game has been in early access for so fucking long that not only have I had I not played it or thought about it in at least two years um, I had totally given up on ever on it ever being completed by its indie development indie developers God bless them the tenacious heroes who have brought us Sky Rogue. So, this is not a full review. This is just, um, this is a feature, but Sky Rogue, S-K-Y-R-O-G-U-E, is out of early access after four fucking years of, uh, being an EA on the Steam store. Um, let's see, why is the Steam client going insane work with me Steam client come on it'd be amazing if if uh, just kill me Ivor just can you here's the key to yeah just uh, when I'm asleep just just get the you know where I keep my pistol in the yeah just 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 off me in my sleep spare me from this technical nightmare so Skyrogue wow hit version 1.0 August twenty first, August twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. Um, it's a totally in- independently developed game, and we're gonna talk about it, and we're talking about why you should care. 
Um, overall, the reviews have been very positive. 434 reviews. I wish there was some way I could see when... Well, if I want, if, if you want, you can go back to the... Uh, really, it's like the first year of this show. We did a feature on Skyrogue because long... Like two years ago, long before I stopped playing it originally in early access, I logged over 26 hours in Skyrogue. And I am... Uh, so that was in early access. Oh, oh! I wrote a capsule review of this. What your curator say? It, it's rapidly draining my brain of any cares apart from playing more of its awesome pizza flavored Star Fox inspired super flying action awesomeness. Wow, that was either written by a twelve year old kid or a total psychopath on lithium and spiked with LSD. Um, that is the least articulate thing piece of copy I may have ever written especially from a critical perspective so I've only played about I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking I've only played about three hours of Skyrogue since it is, you know, finished quote unquote, and in full release on the Steam store you can get Skyrogue by the way, I don't want to forget to mention this now through August 31st, for 25% off, down from $19.99, $14.99. This is one of my favorite titles. Um, I'm not going to say whether or not it deserves, because we will do, well, we're probably never going to do a full review. I'm just going to say, fuck it. Fuck it. I have not played enough of 1.0, and I've not explored enough of 1.0 to see what the finished changes have brought to Skyrogue over intervening two years since I last played it. I'm gonna say that Skyrogue, fuck it, this is a review. Because I played fucking 30 hours of the game. So fuck it, this is a review. No, no, it's a feature. It's a feature. I can't do it. I can't do it. Because I gotta know, and I'm not gonna tell you something that I don't know. And I, I have I've only spent like three hours in 1.0 um over the last four days since its release. So what is Skyrogue? Uh, Skyrogue is a if you're an old motherfucker like me and you remember the days of the Super NES, um, you might remember an old game, a cel-shaded space shooter, uh, that was pseudo-science fiction flight sim, pseudo-arcade blast-em-up, pseudo-mission-based, story-based, um, air-to-air, air-to-ground, um, but also uh, in free space, but not free space, like a rail shooter, um, game called Star Fox. Uh, Star Fox was a fabulous game. You didn't control um, your totally iconic um, little uh, voxel, not voxel, little cel-shaded chunk of geometry. So stylish, so cool, so much fun, so performant. You didn't have in cockpit controls because this was actually a hybrid. Star Fox was actually a hybrid of the lighter elements of some uh, simpler uh, Jane's combat simulators um, crossed with the pure arcade bullshit of um, Jet uh, Top Gun era and uh, the post Top Gun era. Uh, arcade machines that came out based on, ah, oh, well, you're in a jet fighter! Ha ha ha! Yeah, well, you have one button and that's it. You know? Ah, rah, great graphics, lots of explosions. 
feel the speed afterburn. Um, I think they made a sequel to that too. But anyway, Star Fox was a hybrid of all of the those three major play concepts, but placed in the third person and given that Nintendo touch to polish off so that, that, that all three of those genres blended seamlessly. So what you ended up having was this incredibly impressive, visually impressive, gameplay impressive, super stylish, st- st- visually stylistically impressive, and uh, level design and uh, gameplay approach that was entirely unique and very impressive. It was a great, um, you know, flagship title to go out there and represent you know, hey, this is what we got on this machine, motherfuckers, uh, at CES or whatever for that year and the following years to come. But the coolest thing about Star Fox was that you weren't, you didn't control, it was this perfect combination, this perfect splitting the difference and then melding and then recleaving the two things together between a combat flight simulator, a science fiction, far-flung science fiction combat flight simulator. You know, it had atmosphere, it had, like, surf- like a planet surface uh, 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 missions, um, and it also had, like, uh, outer space missions. The biggest star in Star Fox, though, was actually the fact that it used real polygons, and you were very... It was the first game that I ever played, on a console at least, um, where you were awed by simple fucking geometry and the fact that it was being rendered on 3D in, in 3D on the little on the little um game console that you had at home. This was very very new, especially in the form of a flight sim- simulator, pseudo flight simulator, meaning that the fact that it ran blazingly fast was super fun, had unbelievable controls, and had really really nuanced and detailed but not complicated um flight abilities tactics, weapons strategies, and stuff like that even if some of them were only purely cosmetic they it was a great fucking game, and fuck you Flippy, by the way, before I forget, I loved it every time Flippy died um, and it was a scripted role-playing game, like, in, in the sense that, like, you know, each mission you had these wingmen that you could never see because it couldn't ever render other, I don't, I don't remember if it, it actually rendered any of your wingmen in your field of view, but anyway, you had this awesome, fluid very fast first 3D geometry like, if you took away if I remember correctly, I played the fuck out of Star Fox, but I don't remember there being anything anything being used as a texture, material or shade, there were no shaders there was no light sourcing um this is brand fucking new and it's so funny to think uh, of how basically everything that's in Star Fox all of the state-of-the-art, world-class, unbelievably futuristic, far-flung science fiction, mind-blowing, eyeball-popping, synap, visual synaptic, pathway-frying, 
visual overload of the glory that was in Star Fox actually had no shaders, no textures. They were basically wireframe. They were basically white boxed. Everything was white boxed, gray boxed, mildly blue boxed. I'm not kidding. And then everything else was just done with sprites. But you fought, um, you fought opponents who, like you, like your craft itself, were actually made out of, uh, you know, three, uh, you know, they they were they were three D models, and they they were playable, and they, they weren't just playable. They were they were super fast and super fun to play with, and very responsive. Um, so that was cool. That was really cool. And so Star Fox, the reason I keep uh, the reason we keep coming back to that is Star Fox typified and was the vanguard and kind of also like one of the pinnacles of this weird mini genre that as a genre in of itself, if you didn't get to play it while it was happening, the genre was didn't have many progeny. It was like Star Fox and that was it. Because um, the, the sheer expense of developing a game like this at that time was just prohibitive. Um, you know, you had to be Nintendo. It was developed by Nintendo. And they were... You know the the biggest fucking swinging dick with the billion million dollar strong bling. Thank you, America, for all one hundred thousand units you bought last Christmas. <coughs> so as a genre, it doesn't really survive. But as a memory, as a play experience in the minds of people who went through it, it totally survives because it was a great game very unusual game a game that over the years to many of us has kind of become worn you know through fond remembrances and you know revisits and decades and decades of just fucking sheer old man time wearing down our fucking collective ancient old gray beard poor brains um that it's kind of been worn into a cliche but unlike other genres and uh quote-unquote franchises, because there, there were two attempted sequels to Star Fox, one involving the Virtual Boy, which is really cool. I never had a Virtual Boy, but I did play with one in a blockbuster. Uh, Star Fox as a franchise never really went anywhere, but a very beloved title, and uh, at least in the US, I, I think there was a Japanese game. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And so the weirdest thing is, this was a huge touchstone moment, not just technically not just in terms of the history of uh, the technical capabilities and evolution of uh, video games and uh, design and the hardware and what was possible and what was doable and what was being done not only was it a huge touchstone in in those senses it was this weird thing where no other game normally like when you have a game that's a touchstone kind of game, I guess, like Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario. You, you ever hear that? It's a pretty cool game. Um, or uh, Kid Icarus, or, you know, but but really, Metroid, Super Mario, um, Sonic the Hedgehog. Those are massive touchstone, not just genre-defining, not just era-defining, not just decade-defining, not just era-defining, but really massive moments that redefined not only what was technically possible, but also the way and depth of love that you could have 
for a video game for a character, and you know, eventually sent us off down the the the, the um the spin not spin off the the superhero franchise you know the 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 signature console hero franchise sequel rabbit hole etc. It's very weird when you have a game like uh, like Star Fox that was super huge. I don't think I know anyone who you know lived in Las Vegas who is my age at the time. You know who who had a Super Nintendo who totally you know right now even in their fucking gray decrepit years, if I called them up randomly, just a random sample of people my age in Vegas right now who were born here during that era who had a Super NES, I could call them right now, one ten in the morning as a total stranger. And you go, hey, yeah, oh wait, I'm sorry. Wait, who is this? You know, pretend, this is Steve. Who is this? Oh, that's right, Steve. Yeah, man, it's, it's your old buddy. Yeah, uh, uh, intentionally mumbled. It's your old buddy. I want to ask you, man. Remember all those hours we spent playing Star Fox on your Super Nintendo? I have to wake up in an hour. What are you talking about? Do you remember Star Fox on the Super Nintendo? We used to play it all. The- oh yeah, that was a great game. Fucking gotta wake up in an hour. Getting prank phone call by a random drunk stranger who has seduced him into believing that they are long lost high school friends. Totally instantly awake and vivid remembrance of Star Fox. Now, here's what's crazy about that Star Fox never became a genre. And it was because it was too technically difficult to really do again, to mimic effectively. And there were no sequels of it. So it's this weird game that stands like stands like a pillar for like five to seven of the biggest, craziest, most uh, heavily populated um, neck quote unquote first next gen um, console years of the, the history of video gaming, and its shadow the the shadow that Star Fox cast is as big and extends the entire duration of those years without ever being renewed with a sequel or a port or a spinoff just that one game until Skyrogue so that brings us back to our yeah maybe we'll get out of here in you know what two hours Ivor you think yeah we're already at 30 minutes like I said but you know there you go there's your history of Star Fox more or less Uh, you know flying by the seat of my pants to be honest just going from memory. So, this is what this is one of the things, and just one of the things that makes Skyrogue such a fucking awesome game. All of this shit, all this iconography, all this style, this entire game type, this attitude that Star Fox had, both visually, you know, everything. It didn't even like vanish. It, it just was dormant in, in you know, our minds, our collective consciousness, if you're an old motherfucker like me, until the guys behind Skyrogue were like, you know what, we should fucking bring back. We should bring back and do honor and improve upon the things that we loved about Star Fox, and we should fucking, we should, we should do this, dude. Pass the bong. 
You know, that that had to have been the conversation, you know, four and a half years ago. Um, we should release it on Steam. And we'll make millions! And it and will be done in three weeks. Four years later. So this is the thing about Skyrock. So let me actually just go through my notes here. Let's go through it tick by tick. Um... Skyrogue is also like Star Fox. It's a third person. You're not in the cockpit. You can be. It has very great controls for camera manipulation on the fly. Thing is, it's an arcade-style jet fighter, Star Fox-style air combat pseudo-simulator. That sounds cool already. But with with the added um, what do you call it? The added, uh, it's not just a gimmick with the added twist and innovation of being the only procedurally generated um, both in terms of geography, in terms of missions um, flight simulator that I think I've ever played outside of like, you know, World War II fighters, just, you know, auto sortie. I want to fight like 20 of these guys with 10 of these guys. I want five of these guys on my wing and I want, you know, blah. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, this is, this actually is a rogue like game with procedurally generated geography procedurally generated um well randomly selected objectives generally uh procedurally generated missions randomly generated maps topography topology it's never the same thing twice mission to mission um time of day all that shit is randomized and a full complement of uh variability like you know uh I don't remember there being in early access um a sunset kind of um, time of day all of the basic geography is you know basically runs along same lines of like large landmass with small islands surrounding it with inlets and then all in the middle of a vast endless fucking ocean it, the, the geography isn't the star but it, it kind of is because the topography the, the, the geography will determine the ge- your mission, your mission objective plus the geography which you only get to see the second you're actually in the cockpit and flying the mission, um, really determines to I would say it's like maybe 30%, 30%, so it's like 60% of the factors that go into determining what type of strategy and tactics you're going to use once you're in the mission. So, uh, procedure generate, uh, Oh yeah, also with great wave style um, incrementally uh, difficult self-ratcheting you know, self, self-improving self-ratcheting in terms of difficulty um, deadlier, faster, smarter more numerous or all of the above um types of air opposition, anti-air you know, aircraft (coughs) opposing air superiority, enemy air superiority fighter craft blah Um, so yeah, I'm looking at like kind of my summary of like what I really wanted to hit on this and uh, so like All of this is wrapped up in a super, super responsive, ultra tight, incredibly simple, and I, I, I it feels like such a such a cliche because Skyrogue truly is wickedly deceptively simple. 
Um, super simple systems, controls, and uh, blah. It is designed for a dual stick gamepad, not a flight stick, not a fucking keyboard. It is designed for, uh, you know, like a PlayStation 2 style or Xbox 360 style. Um, dual stick, four buttons, uh, four shoulder buttons, um, type of blah. The right stick, if you ever need to use it, it just turns the camera, which is really cool, and it eventually becomes, as you get really, really good at the game, all of the elements of what you can do with the controller um, eventually become things that you master and do subconsciously, which is kind of one of the most brutal and, you know, most brutal honorifics you can ever, that I think I can impart on any game, on on any, uh, any programmers who've designed a truly great game because it's not something that you are forced to learn or are even aware of the fact that you're learning it. It's so good and so simple that by the time you master it, you don't even think of the hundreds and thousands of hours, at least a thousand hours had to have gone into um, tweaking out uh, the way your controller uh, the 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 um the weapon systems, the flight mechanics, and uh, the camera, you know, blah, and the button mappings, um, and the features behind them, at least a thousand hours had to have gone into it. It and it is as tight as anything you will ever see, um, if not tighter, because it's so innovative, in a very traditional way, and that's the other kind of double edged sword about Skyrogue. It it's it's neither. It's it would be a lie to say that it's not a derivative, oh, you know, slash homage kind of game uh, in terms of like, oh yeah, recalls this other blah. But that too is also a reduction and a diminution of the game design's excellence because. So, like I said, it's a roguelike thing. You. When you die, you lose all of your weapon upgrades. You don't lose the ships you've unlocked. Just like, just like, uh, you know, Risk of Rain or any other rogue. You know, ah, well, I, I, I unlocked a new character or whatever. Well, he'll be available for a new character class. Well, he'll be, he'll be available for you after you die when you start your next, you know, run through the dungeon. Same thing with Skyrogue, only the missions take place sequentially, uh, as a series of days. And the mission objectives are are varied. They're generally um, destroy, you know, destroy either air opposition, uh, enemy fighter technology, enemy ground or air installations, or uh, destroy um, scientific research, ground based scientific research or refinery infrastructure technology stuff like that. Um, or kill, you know, these types of, you know, uh, water-based weapon craft or whatever, like, you know, they're, they're destroyers and shit, they're, there's, uh, oil platforms with anti-aircraft guns, you know, etc. No matter what, your objectives from the second you start the mission appear on your HUD, which there is not really, well, they appear around your ship 
in the because you're it's a third person you're out it's a third person chase camera predominant view all of the um stuff that would go into the targeting reticules and uh um friend or foe AWACS, all that shit all of like the oh well here you know bogey there's a group of bogeys over there you know blah blah, blah. all that stuff appears in in a pseudo virtual invisible HUD that is the entire screen surrounding your plane this seems really 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 uh, basic until you really 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 die and then you get like maybe 20 minutes later you get your first you know two kills and then an hour and a half later you kind of know how to use your ship you kind of know how to use your craft's weapon systems and kind of know how to navigate. Coolest thing though is at the very start, what sometimes you have one objective, sometimes you have numerous objectives, but all of them appear as giant red boxes that are immutable, regardless of their distance, regardless of whether they're in front or be- or behind you. Mission, big red box mission. So it's that kind of simplicity, but so it doesn't have like this elaborate um you know uh target leading radar technology or anything like that there's no um complicated uh flight simulated Jane's you know F17 stealth uh era games kind of jet fighter technology that gets in the way of uh the actual pure hyper poppy explodey, cartoony but also very very, very, very you can play the game on a lot of different skill levels like you know, you can approach the game, you know, never having played it, and find it very enjoyable and very addictive, too meanwhile that, you know, five hours later, you will be playing that the same game with the, with more or less the same technology, it's like it takes, you know, a number of hours to unlock um, other aircraft and to really understand the way that the points system works for um, configuring your loadout, your weapon system loadout. Um, it's very simple, but there are a lot of weapons. And uh, anyway, five hours, after five hours of playing the game, you're playing it on a not just a different level of understanding, but a different level of skill and strategy than you could have imagined when you started you know, five hours previously. So, the great genius is that of uh, Skyrogue is that it strikes this perfect, a near-perfect balance between simplicity, actual player skill, like, you know, that you accrue with time and that you learn and that you hone and refine and practice, um, and the deceptively simple-seeming but really, really nuanced um, aspects of pre-flight strategy and uh, tactical like actual uh, tactical flight, elements of tactical combat flight Um, yeah, it seems like, oh, I go really fast vroom, where I can throw on my brakes that's it, and I can turn, I can roll I have countermeasures and then everything else and don't crash into the ground that's what it seems like, it is a lot deeper than that Um, especially as you get familiar with the merciless at, at eventually the merciless, um, unrelenting, fucking nasty, cocksucking AI, 
and uh, the and uh, become familiar with the various common types of uh, fighters and uh, veteran fighters, and learn to distinguish their ranks and stuff, and learn the learn their learn those aircraft strengths strengths and weaknesses both for your when you are using them, so you can use those strengths and weaknesses to your advantage. But more importantly, the game really becomes hyper addictive and a super fucking intense, hyper fast, exciting, explodey, um, but really, really, actually, fairly, not just fairly, but really a deep, um, requires a deep understanding and, and skill level. Uh, you you get there once you understand what type of fighter you're fighting, what type of you know AA installation fires, what type of uh, round at you is it? Is it a machine gun? Do they have missiles? Are they going to be locking onto me? How fast are they? Which ways? You know which which are the best ways to beat them? But ultimately, it is about 15 hours into the game, I would say, if I remember correctly, where I became enraptured, because you you have this moment where you cross over from, like, the normal, mortal, casual gamer realm of player in Skyrogue, and you actually begin to play the real game, and the real game can be summarized simply as this. You are in the center of a giant seething ball of laser hornets all of which are shooting at you from all directions at insane speeds while you strategically in the middle of this in real time it's a really fast game and it requires it takes a long time to build up the tactical understanding and then eventually the enough tactical understanding to really get the sense of this giant ball that you live in Um, you know once you know once you get to the harder missions or once you just keep killing wave after wave which get more and more difficult and more and more numerous to the point where you find yourself in in this giant ball this giant ball everything is shooting at you from all different kinds of ranges all from all sides 360 degrees you know Z X Y everything in between coming at you from every angle flying at you in insane speeds while you try to do two things one, get to and accomplish your mission to destroy your targets and two to mitigate in the middle of this matrix-like fucking Max Payne shooting gallery that heavy opposition encounters always become in, in Skyrogue while carefully balancing your countermeasures and keeping track of the groups of fighters in your in the back of your mind so that you can eliminate enough of them with whatever weapon system you have on your way to you know blah 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 it is a once you get to like day 3 or whatever and and like get to day 3 and then and then before flying home after you complete your objective 
just keep killing, or you can do this on day one too. Just keep killing wave after wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of reinforcements that will spawn in. Um, they do it slowly and they do it t- in a tiered fashion. The opposition, the base difficulty of the opposition and the base technology of uh, the base AI difficulty of the opposition and the base um, technology advantage or based, you know, type of uh, air air fighter technology that they use advances in chunks, you know, mission to mission, but advances within the mission um, if you want to just keep fighting wave after wave, if you're not fast, if you're not careful, if you get distracted, if you get confused or you get lost, you lose track of, you know, where, you know, blah, all sorts of things can happen. Um, and eventually you'll find yourself in the ball and you'll die, you'll die instantly the ball is not an unfair thing eventually the ball will become your natural state of existence and it is the uh, Top Gun Jet Fighter Star Fox equivalent of Max Payne at that point because you know yeah, hey you are constantly dodging calculating the next tactical decision in like meh, three second long windows maybe you know each window maybe three seconds many windows are much shorter lots of them lots of whether or not you will live or die is determined by your tactical understanding of the opposition, their weapon systems, your strategy for accomplishing that specific mission under those circumstances with your current aircraft which you pick and and with the loadout that you selected beforehand. So all of this combined it, it, all of these simple seeming very easy to understand, very easy to pick up and play and extraordinarily colorful and uh, appealing um, explodey uh, gameplay and design elements combined into this much, much, much deeper and more difficult challenging skill-based obsession where you know, you want to kick the game's ass and once you and the game are kind of playing at the same level just like any roguelike you know, that's where the real fun begins. Like, once you know, okay, then you start chiseling away at every possible performance aspect. And the coolest thing about Skyrogue is a lot, apart from, like, the, um, endless variety and flexibility and, uh, huge amount of weaponry and tactics that the weaponry and, 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 uh, um, air combat systems that are available to you uh, apart from the, just a variety of it there is another layer of nuance to every little stupid um, oh look this looks like a stick well yeah it's your Gatling gun that's the generic Gatling gun um, and the way that you calculate and shave in real time after you've deployed because you never know really what you're going to get in the mission until you're in the mission, so you, you do your loadout on the flight deck, you pick your plane or whatever, 
um, tweak your loadout or do a new loadout and then you take off and then you're in the mission and if you die, you die, that's it it's the end of the run, you only have one life uh, you start over from the beginning um, once you know what you're doing very little of the chaos and the tactics and the wizardry and the high flying barrel rolling I just bounced the fucking I just bounced my plane off of your wingman to avoid getting hit by the other wing the the the, the five you know fucking uh, missile locks from the other wing it is super fast and super uh, sexy, super sharp super exciting and to the casual viewer and even to the, you know, knowledge you know, see, you know not veteran player it can deceive by appearing to be kind of like a random, just super arcadey simple game that is randomly, accidentally um, very exciting and makes you look like a badass no, when you look like a badass in Skyrogue it eventually becomes a science and eventually to survive the ball more or less, not every not every mission, even like in the later missions you know, involves you know instantly plunging into the ball, the ball generally evolves around you um or you have some sense of the ball. You have like maybe 20 seconds of anticipation of the ball. But anyway, it's not random when you look like a badass in, in Skyrogue. Uh, it is entirely a matter of skill eventually. And ultimately, it is a constant stream of you looking like a badass. Not intentionally flaunting your total dominance and understanding and... and and uh <laughs> top gun fucking hot shot bullshit it's not like you're flaunting it not like you're trying to show off it, the fact that you look like a fucking dark jedi motherfucker genius badass luckiest motherfucker on the face of the planet top gun number one death dealing fucking bring me I want to war with giants uh fucking king of the skies uh Lone Range Death Monster. The fact that that happens is purely, uh, is is purely accidental. It is merely the unintended byproduct of your actual legitimate mastery of the game. And that having been said, uh, it can be very frustrating. Um. And it, and don't let the biggest thing that I want I, I want anyone who's listening to this to take away from it is do not be fooled into thinking that Skyrogue is like you know some simple weekend hobby project that no one you know it's oh yeah it's a bunch of random blah and yeah it's kind of cool it's like you know uh, my my uh, midterm project for some sort of you know online Unity game development. Um, course or whatever. No, it is not that. It is four years of polish. I don't know. I, I I'm gonna try to get in touch with um the guys behind. It. I I would really like to know a lot more about um whether or not those four years were a constant slow trickle of development, or whether there was like a big long hiatus in the middle, or whatever. 
And also, like, kind of... Anyway. Don't be fooled. It is not a throwaway. It is not a simple game. It is... I'm going to say that it's very much worth $14.99 if you have um, a PlayStation 2 slash Xbox 360 style um, gamepad and want to play a very, very rapidly addictive, very exciting, uh, super fun, incredibly polished, um, kind of a monument, kind of a very quiet, small, little, um, little, uh, what do you call a small monument? Like a little, a little, Greco-Roman relief or freeze or whatever commemorating the god of great exciting, fantastically tuned, detailed performing game design um and so I, I was going to talk about like how the the targeting systems and the tracking systems of your weapon systems and learning the different types of guns, a huge amount of, huge amount of Weapons technologies, air-to-air missiles, there's air-to-ground missiles, there's dumb fire bombs, like real bombs, and there's glide bombs, there's cluster bombs, there's bombs that require real actual bombardier aiming down a different targeting mode um, to land successfully. Uh, and then there are um self-guided cluster rockets for air-to-air, air-to-ground. Uh, all with different ranges, damage, uh, you know, uh, damage numbers, etc. Um, there are different types of actual auto cannon, you know, like Gatling guns, you know, like actual, you know, uh, traditional kinetic, um, you know, jet fighter machine guns, you know, pumping out those giant fucking rounds and you just rip apart buildings and tanks and shit. Um, There are, uh, but really it's it's learning all the different um, types of targeting. Uh, Oh, what type of, okay, so I got this, you know, guided missile. It's an anti, it's a, you know, small, it's, I can't remember, it's called, the Hornet, I think, is the first, or the Mini, or the Micro, is your basic default infrared-guided anti-fighter uh, air superiority missile. Um, how fast does it lock? How far can it travel? Is it going, once it acquires a target and, and you fire it with a lock, how hard is it to get away from? Is it easily fooled by turning around it, turning over it? Will a flare completely distract it? If it's going straight up the tailpipe of a of a of a oppo uh, jet fighter, how long without flaring or countermeasures? How long until it runs out of propul- you know propulsion or tracking blah how far away can i acquire a target with this what type of targets can i acquire cuz lots of the uh especially the guided systems are either anti air so it's like air to air missiles or you know whatever or air to ground so you can't fire um 
like uh, the air to ground missiles and bomb kind of explodey area of effect kind of things um, both are kind of like a simulacrum of glide bombing whereas you know the actual heavy 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 bomb bombs uh, that require you know the bombing reticule are like you know B-52 style bombing um and then you'll learn what you like and what and then you'll learn the planes that you like and then you will start to figure out how to shave more and more performance out of the same stuff different loadouts tiny little tweaks in this game make a huge difference um especially now that they have a they've added many different new types of uh, project uh, unguided projectile weapons. You know, guns. They have a rail gun. They have uh, five different flavors of auto cannon now. It's really cool. They have a flak launcher. That's also very interesting. It's uh, super fun to play. Play with I flak gun. The flak. Not the flak gun. The uh, napalm flak gun being my favorite. One of my favorite creations in uh, that I made for uh, I has the craft. Anyway. All of this stuff, which I'm making sound like a fucking SAT test, comes at you like, you know, the first time you ever played River City Ransom or whatever in an arcade. It is straight, dead simple. Don't be fooled by that simplicity. Don't be fooled by that simplicity. Um, yeah, and so that's Skyrogue. I heartily recommend, even if you don't like playing games, totally worth $14.99. We're not even going to have our outros this week, it doesn't look like, um, but that'll do us for this week. Yeah, it's supposed to be a miniature episode, only came in at 200% the length. Cheers, thanks for listening. Um, once again, apologize for any uh, audio quality vagaries, and uh, I will see you this weekend. Uh, hopefully uh, back on track, and uh, check out Skyrogue uh, next week, we got, I want to talk about, um, Ballistic Overkill, super important game, um, and a bunch of other new releases that I've been playing over the last three weeks, but, etc. Alright, cheers, thanks for listening, uh, oh, because we don't have our, well, even if we do end up adding the intro, www.bestlinuxgames.com, the homepage for the Best Linux Games podcast, where you can find all of our podcasts, you can find us on soundcloud.com, uh, by you know, but follow the links from bestlinksgames.com to the SoundCloud page. Um, yeah, no one uses the SoundCloud page. Everyone insists on downloading directly from my poor little DigitalOcean. Um, we're we're available for you know, uh, podcast subscription through your favorite podcasting technology, be that uh, uh, G Potter or whatever terminal Linux based pod podcatching automation system that you like all the way through to non-Linux based um things like uh, iTunes and stuff We are, I think we're available on iTunes um if you want to get in touch with me my name is Skooky Sprite S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E and the best way is to hit me up on Twitter at VegasWriter V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R Cheers! I will see beyond the blue horizon, up in the air, Junior Burnben, Excelsior! Check out Skyrogue for reals. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. <laughs>
Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.